Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty here, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We had to go live and talk about arguably the biggest trade in recent history. Uh, I guess it would be the biggest trade, you know, by assets. But Kevin Fiala dealt to the L.A. Kings. My co-host, this feels a little bit like making it rain style, man. A little you and me here, Joe Paterino. What's going on? <laughs> Doing all right, man. Uh, you know, miss Russ tonight, but that's okay. We'll uh, we'll man the ship without him for now. Yeah, he's on he's on vacation. He's sipping margaritas and and doing whatever. So I'm sure he's uh, happy to let us take the reins for one night. But uh, how's your night going? Not too bad so far. Looking forward to uh, you know a little bit of a conversation here on Kevin Fiala, the the cap situation. Maybe what could be next should be fun. Yeah, so what we're doing tonight, a little Kevin Fiala first reaction, and then we're going to do some live Q&A here. Uh, thank you to a couple of the fans that submitted their questions on Twitter, and then you can always get in the chat and throw some our way. But let's get started right away. Uh, Kevin Fiala to the Kings for the first uh, round pick this year, so 19 overall, and, uh, and Brock mm-hmm. Faber. Initial reactions to the trade when it broke for you? Uh, initial reactions where I was like, win-win. I think Minnesota knew they had to deal Fiala. They're in a cap crunch. They got a lot of that. The buyout situation is tough for them. Um, and they get a, for a team that didn't have a ton of leverage here, I think they did okay. They get a first-round pick, um, and they get a, a highly regarded prospect. Uh, I, I Admittedly, I don't know a ton about their prospect pool, but um, you know they, they add a guy, a Minnesota guy, uh, in favor, and I think they did pretty well for the Kings. Um, boy, uh, you know, they, they get exactly one of the things that they needed. We've talked about their issues in the top six. There was a hole in the top six wing, hole on LD2, um, and I just uh, – he fits that need to a T. Um, really skilled player, really fun to watch, Um really productive player over a point a game this past year. He's had a really good past few seasons, really, for those that don't know. Like he's, he's done really well, and he's only going to be t- turning 26. So um, excellent addition by the Kings, but I think Minnesota did okay too. Yeah, a lot of people seem to need right D. Uh, Punky comes in here and says they need right D badly. I, I was just kind of briskly reading through some of the comparisons there, and apparently now they have, with Faber, they have a pretty decent, uh, you know, uh, prospect pool as far as defense goes and you know we've done all these draft shows and d-men tend to jump up because teams tend to overpay for d-men they, they overdraft for d-men and there's a couple of those forwards that might fall i mean i don't think casper will quite get there but our number one pick at 19 ivan um you know meritashenko will definitely be there at, at that point and you think with all the young stars that they have and how good their team already is Maybe they can take a shot now with two picks in the first round at a, at a top talent. You have other guys around that range, like Ruck McGrordy and, and all those guys, that they can get yep. some premium talent with the two picks right in that middle range. Absolutely. Like I said, I think they did okay. It's not, it's maybe not a home run for a guy if they tried to deal him earlier, but I, getting a first and a, and a high prospect, I think is, I think is good. And yeah, favor for me, for me, we've 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 talked about this for months now. I feel like that that there's got to be something that gives here on this right side. And favor has been my pick all along. And I think that I think that's what Blake did a really good job of is is having favor be the guy. Not to say that I think favor is a bad prospect or anything, but I think his ceiling could be relatively limited. Um, I think he's an NHL defenseman, um, but when you look at what the Kings have. In my opinion, he was fourth on the Kings' RD depth chart from a prospect standpoint, behind Clark, behind Grants, behind Spence. Um, and if people, the way Dursey played, you could maybe argue Dursey too. Um, so it was a position of depth, and I think it was a, the perfect uh, choice to to deal from that right side. I, I disagree a little bit. I have him a, a little bit higher than you there on that right side. But where it comes in for me is that it was the least um, <clears throat> it was the least risky trade, right? Because he was the most risky prospect on the right hand side, being that he had he's the only one that's not signed, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And so he goes back to college, and everybody's like, "Oh, he was he's definitely not signing now. He's going back to college." I was telling everybody to pump their brakes, like it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Slow your roll. But now they don't have to worry about it. 
Yeah. So you don't have to worry about giving up Grons or giving up Spence and then Faber walking, and then you lose two assets. Yep. You know, they they dealt from a system of strength and, and all that. So, I, you know, I like Faber a lot. I think you need lockdown defensemen. I think he was that. Everybody looks at his point production, and that's not always the most important thing. Uh, if you can have those guys that can lock down, you know, the Connor McDavid's and stuff like that, which I think his ceiling was that as an elite defensive defenseman. But, you know, you look at uh, Carter comes in here. As far as the trade, 19 overall pick will take a minimum of two years to crack the NHL. Guy and Faber wasn't guaranteed to sign after college. Possible uh, Adam Fox situation. Blake killed it. I, I think the two years doesn't matter to me. And, and we talked about this on the draft show about whether they should or shouldn't trade it. And I said, like, that you still need to have talent coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, I know you eventually you have to pull the trigger on a first round, pro- like dealing a first round pick to make an impact, you know, Carter or Richard style trade. I get that. I didn't know if the team was necessarily there. But what we talked about here is the opportunistic nature of Blake's trades, right? Victor Arvidsson needed to be out of Na- or Nashville needed to shed cap. He dealt it from second and third quality pickup. You have he finds Deneau is seems to be unhappy in Montreal with how the way things were going in his usage. Blake reaches out, gets a guy who makes an immediate impact. And, and the same goes now. Like Fiala was a guy who can't be signed. They have so much dead cap over there. And so it was really an opportunistic thing. And you're looking for a guy that maybe he's not to the level of pasta or Debrinket in some people's eyes. But those deals were going to cost you four, maybe five assets, and you get a first and a, and a second round prospect for for great point, like you said, point per game production. Yeah, I, I think Fiala is a, a really good fit. Now, I did say on the on the, and I've been saying that I, I as much as there's two big holes, um, one in the top six and one on the left side of the D. Um, my preference would have been the left side of the D. I know that's a lot smaller of a, a there's there's far fewer options there so it's a tougher one to pull off chickens being the obvious popular name i would have loved it but perhaps that price just became too too out of whack to in the, in the kings or maybe they went with fiala all along who knows um but they at least filled but that doesn't the- need to be done this off season that no. could be a, that could be a trade deadline like okay the kings are second or first in the pacific they're you know their lefty is okay and they go out and get somebody for relatively cheap at sure. the deadline to help us out i th- i still think ld needs to be to be addressed um but they did address one big hole here so uh carter scores coming in again fiala was not an overpay uh for those who it was seven years shade under seven uh, eight mil uh when the escrow debt is gone and the cap rises significantly players with his production will be making 10 plus million Blake signed him for 525 under market value W. And this is an interesting point here because, <coughs> excuse me, is that teams like Boston, like you had Pasta, Bergeron, and Marchessault all signed for around $7 million, outproducing their contracts for quite a bit because they signed them long-term. We talked about this in what to pay Kempe. If you can get Kempe for five to five and a half million and he scores 30 plus for the duration of that contract, that's a W because he you're outplaying the money that you're be, you're being given. You know, no offense to Drew Doughty, but is he pl- outplaying 11 million? Probably not. He, as far as like total value, you look at our rival to the north. The Sharks are in in cap hell. A lot, a lot of their players are playing up to their contracts, and so getting guys for value and outplaying the contracts, especially with like he said, the cap should go up with the ESPN and TNT deals. The money that's become that coming in on these networks. It should be going up, you know, steadily more, you know, more often than it than it has in the past. Well, and, and it's also a matter of signing a player at the right time. So, and we talked about this with Kempe too. Like, yeah, you're paying a guy off of his off of a career year. I mean, I'd argue he's had now two career years in a row, but you want to pay this guy now when he's 25 rather than waiting for him to hit ufa now you're in competition with other teams and what maybe is five and a half six now i'm talking kempe turns into eight so for fiala if he's doing this already and and lighting doing what he's doing this is market for him at this point and as a carter scores alludes to it maybe it actually lower than market value and depending on what 
site you read that could actually be the case. I know some places had him uh, above a nine million dollar player. So I think getting getting him and locking him up now, even if it is a situation where it's above market value in the early term, in the near, over the course of the contract, as long as he produces, right? I mean, obviously that's the big caveat here is he can't pay whoever, you know, they have to continue that production over the uh, over the duration of the contract. And as long as they do that, then you're going to be in great shape. And there's a better chance of a player doing that in his mid, late 20s and then early 30s rather than late 20s into his mid 30s, right? So I think getting these guys signed at this age too is 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 even more important. Or as and so important. Let's, let's get into the, the production here. And, and obviously, you know, over a point per game player for him. But playing on the second line, a lot of people are like, oh, so he's playing with, you know, Kaprizov. And so uh, no wonder he's scoring that many points. Well, he didn't have very many minutes on five on five with uh, with the dollar Bill Kirill. And he was mainly on the second line with a center that, you know, it isn't as good as Kopitar and probably isn't as good as Deneau. And so no matter which line he finds that chemistry with, you could argue that this is the bottom floor for his production with with better center play. Well, and the, thing, and, and the thing is, is he's the driver of the play. I mean, this he is a when it comes to the offensive side of the game, when it comes to zone entries, um, when it comes to the way he can get out on a four check, his skill level is extremely high. He's really, really productive in terms of creating chances and creating uh, opportunities, be it off the rush or be it in zone off a cycle and off a four check. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's, especially at five-on-five, five, this is one of the better five-on-five five forwards, wingers in, in the league, really. I mean, he he's really good at five-on-five. Five. We can talk about how he is on the power play, and maybe he leaves some to be des- desired there. But this has been a productive player um, really over the past few years. It is not that, yes, he's coming off a career year where he had, what, 85 points, I think it was, in um, – in, in 82 games, um, but he's been a productive player like in his career, the last three seasons in particular. So um, I, I, I'm i not nervous about the fact that this is, a, you know, coming off a career year. You know, sometimes that just happens and you, you end up getting guys on, on big years like it, it happens. I mean, he had 40 points in 50 games the year before. He had 54 points in 64 games the year before that. He's had a stretch of three good seasons in a row here, getting better and better each year. And like you said, he's going to get a chance to play with presumably Kopitar and and Kempe. And that's, you know, talk about guys that can fly off the rush, be creative in the offensive zone. So do I expect 85 points in 82 games next year? That, I think that's a little unfair to expect that, but could we look at 70 points? And I think that's a win too. So I, I'm I'm – Really excited about the player. I expect a point per game. I mean, you have if the if you're paying that for that, that's what you're you should be getting. Uh, I I don't know necessarily. I would be disappointed with seventy, but I expect him to be our leading point getter. Well, th- right, which seventy probably would be right. I mean, so, so but even still, regardless, that's kind of we're kind of you know nitpicking there. I mean, I think the only the only thing that you could argue with his game is 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 you know his two-way game his defensive game isn't necessarily leaves a little bit to be desired but i again i that's not what the kings are in the market for they they've got plenty of forwards that can handle that and defensemen that can handle that the one big question and i think people have talked about on twitter you know why not just pay this money to forsberg first of all i think forsberg is going to get closer to nine million um but also forsberg is significantly better and a significantly more productive player on the power play Fiala for whatever reason. Um, and I don't have an answer to this. I I'm, I'm just acknowledging it as, as kind of a, is what it is. At least this past year, he spent time on the top unit. Um, but he's kind of an average, I guess, product player on the power play from a production standpoint. And obviously we know that power play is a big issue for the Kings. So I don't know. I mean, I do think he definitely is a better option on that top unit than say um Dino or Ayafalo. Okay, so I think there's an immediate upgrade there, but we'll see if he's able to be a bit more productive on the power play. What I haven't I don't recall, I'd have to look back and watch some video to see where he played um on the power play, whether he was down low in the bumper or wherever he was. Um 
so be interested to see uh, how this affects the power play. I imagine he he should get, again, he's a better option than I follow or to know who spent too much time on the top unit um, for me. So uh, those are the negatives, I guess you could say. His, his D is two-way slash defensive zone game. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that the power play is a negative um, because – but that's, is that really though surprise you? Like it doesn't surprise me. Like, well, they brought in power play specialists in Vladimir Kachev and he, it didn't work out. You had Kovalchuk in there who was a lazy defensive player and didn't really work five on five and it didn't work out. Like it seems the McClellan wants guys that can handle five on five first. And, and then he's going to figure out, like, I think he's like going to, okay, if we can be better at five on five and just be mediocre in special teams, then, then we'll be in a better position and we'll figure out the power play at some point. And that's, I agree. That's what, I, what it feels. That's how I prefer to see the team go. I want to see you be a – because I think five on five, that's where most of the games played, so that's what I want my team to be effective. We saw a team like the Rangers who was meh at best, five on five, but they had a really good power play and an elite goaltender, and that carried them all the way to as far as they went in the playoffs. So there's a couple of different ways to do it. I just don't think that model is as sustainable as if you have a team that's strong at five on five. And to your point, if you can at least be mediocre rather than among the worst in power play, which I think, I don't know, it, I feel like that, and I'm saying this, I don't know if this is true or not, I, I admit, but it feels like it could be relatively fluky from time to time, from year to year, like, would anybody be surprised if a power play that has Kopitar, Kempe, Fiala, Dowdy, Kaliev say be a middle-of-the-pack power play? I don't think so. I think that's no. perfectly reasonable, and they're going to get a different voice. You know, we yeah, we talked about or, we talked about what was it? Uh, personnel and then and then scheme right. both play yeah. in effect. So maybe McClellan and whoever they hire are going to do a lot of thinking about the scheme in this offseason. Sure. sure. So let's get to our first, uh, before we go back to Kevin Fiala, let's go with our first fan question from the internet. <clears throat> DJ Jazzy99, were you surprised that it was Fiala and not someone else for their first move? Or did you see this coming? Thank you guys for your question. Uh, no, not surprised. But I also say no, didn't see this coming. The, the reason I answer it like that is on our cap show, we we brought up Fiala. He might have been the first name that we brought up. Um I guess we probably should have leaned into it a little bit more in hindsight, but you know, we saw him like, Hey guys, this is an RFA mid twenties coming off a couple of big years. Minnesota's in cap hell. Fiala probably is somebody that's going to be on the block. And, you know, we mentioned it, talked about it briefly and then kind of moved on. We talked about other options. I know Debrinket became a popular name. Forsberg became a popular name. Apasta for a day or two there became popular, but Fiala. So I'm not at all surprised in the player. He seems like the type of player, like you mentioned, five on five, really good five on five player that in mid twenties, like it seemed like the player that fit what they needed, but I can't say I saw it coming. Um, because I, we were I, all I, stressing, we were all stressing the defense. So right. That's why we went with the chicken trade first in the couch. Correct. correct. Exactly. But not surprised. No. So thank you for your question. DJ jazzy 99 getting back to the Kevin Fiala thing here. Um, I'm, I'm excited, you know, and, and it seems like they're not afraid to make moves. I'm liking it. And then uh, did you pull up those stats that I asked you to about the combined? I did. Points? Yeah. So give everybody the combined points for the last three big moves that they, they made. So Kevin Fiala last year, 33 goals, 52 assists, 85 points in 82 games, just over a point per game. Phil Deneau played 79 games. He had 27 goals and 51 points. So 0.65 points per game. Victor Arvidsson played 66 games. 20 goals, 49 points, and 0.74 points per game from that. So that's obviously not looking at anything else, not looking at their defensive impacts, not looking at anything else. Just from a purely point production, you've got – that's pretty good. It's pretty solid right there for for the for, three of the most recent kind of big acquisitions that, that he's made, Blake has made. Yeah, so for a first, a second, a third, and a second-round prospect. That's, I mean, that's a significant point increase for minimal. You're talking about Eichel was for four prospects, four first-round mm -hmm. prospects. You're talking about Chikrin was thinking for a first-round. So it seems like we're getting equal production or more production from obviously multiple players, but for way less capital. I, I, I think and, – and we, I think we've talked about it a number of times. The trades Rob Blake has made, going, you know, go back to those trades of Muzzin back in the Toronto with Toronto. Like he, 
he has just he hasn't won all of them, right? But he's nailed a he's nailed a lot of them. And we have talked about like, okay, he's done a lot of these building type trades and 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 depth trades. C- can he strike on the big one? And it's hard to it's hard to say he didn't do well on this one either. He's done an excellent job. And obviously now it's on the players to to continue to play at that level. But really impressed that what with what Blake has done from a trade standpoint over the years. JW uh, Dasso comes in. Blake is very smart. Didn't compete with himself. There's not many teams with assets and the cap room to make this trade. And and I agree with that. And it seemed based on a lot of the reports that Blake was like, uh, I want this guy. He didn't BS around with Minnesota. Said, hey, like this is what we're bringing in. And that's it. Like it, he just went after the guy he got. Didn't wait for the draft. Didn't wait for other teams to outbid him. Like he just he just yep. went for it. And that's that's uh, you know he's in a position where he's able to do that because of the all the prospect capital that he has, but still, you know, you and see, it's, a not guy, the sec- it's the second time, right? Victor Arvidsson was er- right. way early. You see a guy, you like a guy, you identify the guy that fits a need, go get him, and don't beat around the bush. Let's just make it happen. And I appreciate that as well. It's it's he's done really well. Blake has really well. I don't know if this is true, but Carter Score says uh, Rob Blake is low-key pissed that he wasn't even nominated for GM of the year, <laughs> telling the league, watch this or hold my beer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I'm really liking this. I'm really liking where this is going. And I think this is a, maybe something where, okay, yeah, I I said this in the in the draft show that I'm not against the trading the first-round pick, but I wanted some of the younger players who are entering their young 20s to get more ice time. Obviously, now this takes up a huge spot for maybe a Kaliev mm-hmm. or a Velarde to get work in that th- in that place. But it also does help shelter shelter them a little bit and then makes them earn the minutes instead of being given minutes, right? Velarde was given ice time, didn't necessarily earn the 2C, and it didn't really work out. And I we don't mean, keep mean to keep beating them up, but that's the most recent mm-hmm. there. And then you had Kaliev, who was given the fourth line, and he earned more ice time through the power play and everything like that as the year went on. And so it's going to allow a lot of these prospects like a byfield to earn more power play time. It's going to allow uh, Kelly have to earn more power play time on the first, on the first unit, which he obviously should with his shot. But what I'm saying, any new prospect that comes up and gets a cup of coffee because of injury or what have you, it's going to make them earn that minutes. It's going to make them work harder to, to get that ice time. No question. Yeah, it, it does. And I mean, we can get into it if you want uh, from a from a you know roster cap standpoint, but I'd be hard pressed to see. I, it's hard to see where a guy like Gabe Velarde fits now. We've talked about him potentially being the odd man out, and I, I'm struggling to see where he fits as the roster currently sits. Well, you were we were talking about this before we came on. Is that it? Based on our cap show, or you know when that we did after all the RFA signings, we had a little over six mil. Contract 7.9. So we're a mil and a half over what we projected, or a little over, or about two mil over what we projected we needed to be at. So it seems like the Kings are not done, and, and a, a lot of sources are saying they're not. They're, so what what do you believe is the next move or has to be the next move? So what I did was I, I penciled in some, some things that we talked about on the cap show. I penciled in Adrian Kempe at 5.75. Um, I figured he'll be around that range. Pencil didn't grunge him at 1.5, maybe being a little high there. Pencil did Mikey Anderson at three, and then signed, you know, just Q, QOs to, from Overari, Anderson Dolan, um, and Gerald Marvarari already did sign in Game Velarde. And, and Sean Dursey, I brought in at two. Again, maybe that's a little on the high side. I don't know where he, where he slots, but just for sake of this conversation, those are rough figures that are probably not that far off. We'll see. And I got the Kings at a full roster, 23, and 1.2 over the cap. So with that, the extra forwards are Anderson, Dolan, and Velarde. Okay. Grunstrom I have on the fourth line with Lozat and Kapari. Byfield, Kaliev, Ayafalo. The left D situation right now, Anderson, Bjornfoot, and Sean Walker with Dowdy, Roy, Dersey down the right. So – and again, Moverari is the, the extra guy on the back end. Something's going to have to give here for a couple reasons. One, because of the assumptions that we're making, the Kings are over the cap by our by roughly a million and a half. What does that mean? Um, I think there does have to be a move that's made. I, I, 
it to me, I just don't see a $4 million Alex Ayafalo playing in a bottom six role. I like the player. I think he's a really good NHL player. I think he's a great two-way player. I think he's a player on a winning team. I'm just – the way the Kings are constructed, I don't think you're moving Trevor Moore off of that second line right now. Kempe Kopitar Fiala, I don't know that – with the way the rest of that lineup is is set up, that a $4 million Alex Ayafalo makes sense on that third line when it could be a million-dollar Carl Grundstrom or a million-dollar, less than a million-dollar Gabe Velarde. See where I'm going with that? So I think that potentially, if they move out Ayafalo um, and then potentially – some maybe there's a smaller piece elsewhere that they can move, move out. Maybe you can address the left side of the D. But right now, as things currently stand, again, I say currently based on the projections we've made, it's hard to see. They can't go get lefty help unless they can find a way to make a hockey trade with Alex Iafalo. It I don't sounds know. like you're you losing confidence in Mavari. That's what it sounds like. I will never lose confidence. <laughs> so if all's so, I guess you know, all joking aside, like I think Mulverare is the th- should be the third pair D man on the left side. It just means Bjornfoot. I think Bjornfoot could start in Ontario, and and I think that would be good for him. And then we find that lefty too. You know, there's options on the left side from a from a, a free agent and also from a trade standpoint, perhaps. But it's going to require salary out the door, and I just don't see how that salary isn't Alex Hayafalo, unless there's a surprise coming. But anybody else just doesn't make money, right? I mean, Trevor Moore makes less than two million. You know, say they wanted to get nuts, and, and well, if you and, traded Trevor Moore, the streets would riot. Well, that too. Say they wanted to get talk about streets rioting. Play, say they wanted to get nuts and trade Arthur Kelly. I mean, a big deal to get a big LD too. He makes eight hundred thousand dollars. So this cap is you. Now again, maybe they don't sign Kempe for five plus. Maybe Kempe is maybe Kempe is the surprise. But that's I can't see that happening. I don't know. I mean, do you see any scenario where Kempe isn't re-signed? I mean, it's no. So right, unless it's unless no, he's like unless he wants like seven. Right. You know, like unless they can't come to it to terms. So, and just in looking at the roster, you probably are looking at options of Iafalo, um, Sean Walker, Matt Roy. Of those, I, I don't know what value Sean Walker has, and I think Alex Iafalo is seems to be the most likely, but we'll see. I don't know what I you think, think. So, I think I think Bjornfoot's going to get another shot. With just with growth and whatever, I mean, and look, we talked with with Sixton. He, I think, I think he's going to get another shot. Or they try to move Walker to play the left side. He has played the left side, and and they do it that way. But it seems that Walker and or Ayafalo would be the easiest trades to make room. But I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily so worried like everybody else is, right? Like, well, what do you mean worried? With We're the left side of the defense, like okay. we don't need to be a cup, we don't need to raise the cup next season. Like everybody's like acting like in trades that we need to be a cup contender. It's like let's let's continue to progress. Let's make one progression per or a progression per summer. Because like, are we really trying to go out there and <clears throat> compete for the Stanley Cup next season? Like, I don't think that that's necessarily should be the goal. Like we were just talking about last season that we. Are we a fringe playoff team? We're going to make that big of a jump. And so if now, if that guy is out there, if like Blake wants to get frisky and go 2023 first for Chikrin and put together a package, I am for it, but I don't think it's necessary. Like, let's see how this team plays. And then, you know, like not to keep bringing up the previous title years, like we made the playoffs in 10, we won the cup in 12, you know, like, and so maybe that goes like we take a small progression because if you get a if you get an actual progression from Bjornfoot and he's the player that he's shown flashes he can be, then our defense is way better than we thought. You have two you have defensive stalwarts down the yeah. left. You have Dowdy for a full season. You know, like you're looking at like the defense could be better than we think, and the offense should be better. To where I never thought I would say this that we'd actually out be able to outscore teams more consistently. You know, that's that hasn't been that hasn't been Kings hockey very mm-hmm. much. 
Like, so in progression, we talked about progression with other players in the last pod. Byfield maybe becomes a 40 point player. Kaliev knots anywhere between 17 to 20 goals. So, like, there, there could be progression in a lot of other spots to where, yeah, the D, the left D2 is the soft spot of the team, quote unquote, but it doesn't necessarily mean we won't be a 99 or a 100 so who, or 105 point team. So, who, who is, so again, based on our projection, the Kings are over the cap by a little over about a million and a half to two million dollars, depending. Who's your who's out for you? Who who how do they make this fit? I'm guessing it would probably be. I'm guessing Sean Walker, but is he as enticing as an IXL I follow? Like, would they use I follow to go get prospects to then trade those <clears throat> prospects away for an actual player in a following season? Like it. I mean, is it a is it a hockey trade like we talked about earlier, where it's just one for one, just but you have to get a cheaper defenseman to make it work? Is that really benefit your team when Iafalo is one of the the best defensive wingers in the game, like and could severely help the Byfield and Kaliev line? Like, like I don't know necessarily where where this comes in, and like without having you know on the cap open up like yeah. to to do this on like. If with you know live, but I, I have a feeling like I have follows a big part of the team. Like they they gave Agreed. him money for a reason. Agree, he is. Um, I think. Would you be upset yeah. if if it was Roy and Dursey down the right side and they just got rid of Walker? Like again, I, I they could I, they could just get rid of Walker for like a fifth round pick. Like I know I, that's not smart, but they could. I don't think that the left side of the D is good enough. Um, I'm. I have serious questions about the left side of the D. Still, um, now, I don't know what what options are out there. I don't know that they can. I don't know that Trickman's on the table because I cannot imagine them accepting a deal that doesn't include a first round pick. And I'm a little. I'd be a little surprised if the Kings included next year's first after just doing this year's. Um, you know, is a Travis Sanheim available? But again, that's a guy that's making four million dollars, so money's got to go. Um, Vince Dunn, four million dollars. Money's got to go uh, if Seattle's looking to trade him. There's another defenseman in Seattle that I think is interesting. Um, and again, I haven't the slightest idea what Seattle is going to do because I, I, I don't know. Are they going to tank? Are they looking to be competitive? I, I, I really don't know what their what their situation is and what they're planning to do. Um, but but what's that thought? T, we're teasing it here. We're going to go into our sponsor at, okay. at, at DraftKings here. Uh, let's pull this up. The action never ends with DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet. Bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw it down on all the major action for baseball, <clears throat> golf, MMA, and more, plus the same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and prop bets. Get your betting options feel endless. And I threw one out last one with the Dodgers winning and the home run, and it cashed in. Tonight, you could do the same. They're facing the Padres. The spread isn't probably that big, but maybe you go the other side. Maybe you go a Padre on the other side. You go Manny Machado hits a homer. And, and the Dodgers win on that one. So max mix and match, go for where you feel comfortable and earn that money. Best of all, DraftKings is safe and secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So you teased it there, Joe. What defenseman are you talking about? So, and again, I'm just trying to, so once this trade happens and you do the cap stuff and you see, okay, money's going to have to go out. Does Alex Iafalo make sense for a team? Can the King still address left D? All these, all this stuff starts to go through. So Chikrin, be hard, hard pressed to see it as an option. Sandheim, money's still going to go out. You know, you're not saving money with Sanheim. You're not saving money necessarily with Dunn. But as I was going through this, I saw, well, the Kings talked about getting bigger. Um, and I and before we get into this, you know, Zadorov is a free agent. I, I think he's probably going to get around four, 
plus million dollars. Um, four and a half million dollars, I think, is is in the ballpark. So I don't know. Again, money's going to have to go out if that's the case, if they do sign him. And now you're talking about you're in going to be in uh, a situation where you're competing with other teams and free agency at a four or five year deal. I, I don't love that idea because he's probably going to get five years from somebody and I'd prefer a shorter deal. So I'm kind of sour on Zadorov if the years are going to be long. So, but the Kings talked about Rob Blake talked about it, about getting bigger, about size. Um, and I wonder if a player like Carson Soucy in Seattle is somebody that, again, I don't know what Seattle's doing here. I don't know if they're selling or, or if they're looking to shake things up or even just make a change um, because they do still have Alexiak. They got Vince Dunn, Adam Larson, Will Borgen. Um, so they've got some Hayden Fleury. So they got some options on the back end. Um is Carson Soucy a potential player? He's 6'5", big boy, adds that size that the Kings would be looking for, decent defensive defenseman. Um, could he be somebody to slot in and fill? I don't know. Is he legitimately a top four LD2? I don't know that it solves that problem necessarily, but I think it adds a big body, a good piece to the left side of the D. So he, he makes uh, 2.7. So I, again, this is where I don't know what Seattle's looking to do. Does Alex Ayafalo have any value to them? Would there be a Pacific Division trade of the two teams? I don't know if that makes any sense. Are Just they tanking all. hard for Bedard? That too. So, you know, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that that play here. Another thing with Alex Ayafalo, he makes four million. He's a productive player. He could be a he could be a great option for a team that is, you know, preferably in the East, maybe looking to to make the playoffs or make a push. Uh, he's from Buffalo. That's a team that is going to be needing to get the cap floor. I doubt they're going to bring in a forward like this to block. They got a lot of guys that are prospects, so I don't know that there's a fit there. But these are maybe these are the types of things that you're trying to think about. Um, and I'm just not sure that money still has to come out. And I, I, I have to think they get lefty. So the reason I say that is because they talked about Blake talked about it, Dowdy talked about it. It was talked about in the post postseason pressers about size toughness getting bigger i don't think they're not done with fiala there's going to be something added to this i'd be surprised if it was a forward just given the amount of prospects that they have i think there's going to be some sort of meat added to the blue line i just don't know what that is and that's why i threw susie's name out there is again i just don't know what seattle's looking to do Next fan question, and thank you for all for being in the chat. We'll get to your questions as well. These we're just getting to the ones from Twitter first. At John Thirteen Hud, I've heard some questions about the contract that we gave for Fiala, which made me wonder if it's a significant salary cap hike is coming with the current health of the league. So we already talked about this briefly, but we I think that there's a salary cap come hike coming up with the TV money. But do you think they overpaid for Fiala? No. Um, I don't think they overpaid. I think they paid probably what market value is. Um, you want a guy that's going to get a point of, point, of, uh, uh, point of game? You're going to pay that guy at 25 years old, $8 million. That's just the way it is. Um, and is it bad, you know, good on him for doing this in a, in, in a year where he be, was coming up as an RFA? But, you know, this is – I don't think they overpaid. I think – there's the it, it, no, I, I think given the years, given his age, given his production, uh, I think, I, like I said, I believe that there's some out there that have his market value in more in the nine range. I think the athletic does a good job of this. And I, I don't recall offhand what his market value was, um, but I think it was certainly more than sub eight. So blue comes in here, uh, blue W S R F R V. If the Kings can land Chikrin this offseason, whatever hypothetical trade that is, sure. and make the cap work, do you see them as legit cup contenders? Boy, it's hard to, to make that jump, but, man, you would have severely f- addressed the two biggest needs on this team, which was le- lefty two, and, and not just lefty two from a positional standpoint, but lefty two in that they lacked offense from the blue line. And Chickren will bring more of that. Obviously, Dowdy missed so much time. Walker missed a lot of time. Those are two of your offensive defensemen, but they 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 lacked offense from the blue line. Um, and Chickren would bring that. So in that hypothetical, I mean, I'd say they're at the very least Pacific Division contenders for sure. Um, 
but you just look at what Colorado did this year and look at what Tampa did. I know those teams will have some changes, but is that are they as good as those teams? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think you could reasonably expect second round would be a good expectation and then and then be hey, if we get progression more from our youngsters like the byfields and stuff, then you could you could expect mm-hmm. to see around Christmas time Western Conference champions if, yeah. if if you saw that progression. If, in that hypothetical if they also added Chikrin, I would expect them now I want them to go win the division. Um, yeah. and then from there see what happens. Coming in here so Blake surprised you going forward and not the D. So given this, what is next? We've been talking about that a little bit. Moves have to be made. Get in the chat and tell us what move uh, you would make. CJ comes in here and saying a, a great eye follow should be moved. Uh, JW comes in. He says he thinks you're wrong about Velarde as far as the cap. He agrees it's going to be hard to fix without moving some money out. And I follow seems to be that person. I would say my thought on Velarde is that I, I think I said that I don't see where he fits here. And that's, again, I want to be clear. That's not my, I love Velarde. I think you guys know that, or you know that, Randon. And, mm-hmm. and I would find a way to fit him in this lineup. Um, I just don't think the Kings will. Um, I think, you know, with, with say they did move Ayafalo out, I guess Velarde could be an option for that third line. I don't see them doing that i think you're more likely to see grunstrom jod maybe down the road if he god forbid fingers crossed can stay healthy it's alex turcott but i as much as i love velarde as much as i want it to be velarde i'm thinking his days with the organization could be numbered that segues into here when will turcott get to play (laughs) he's gonna need a spot what about jad i feel like he'll be packaged with a similar deal to like to what they just did with favor i will start with turcott my thing with turcott and i know um we talked about this with russell morgan uh last week i think it was last week um but i don't think that he just play just play hockey in the ahl and just get a string of games and then if you have a good first half of that season then then let's let's talk about calling him up but i don't i don't like the idea of trying to wedge him in just because he's Alex Turcotte and he was picked fifth and he should be playing in the NHL. I, He's had a lot of adversity to deal with. He's had a lot of injuries to deal with. Um, and I would prefer he just have a healthy set of games first. Um, his, and if he can do that and establish a good footing under himself in, in the AHL, then bring him up and let's get him involved. But I, I don't why, – why is he a better option than what's in Los Angeles right now? He's – I, uh, unless he goes nuts in the summer and in training camp and all that, I, I, I don't see it right now. Um, as far as John, I'm a big fan of his. I, I hope he's not packaged. Um, I also don't know what his value is. Okay, like I, I think Velarde is is a better piece in a trade than than Anderson Dolan. I think Anderson Dolan's a really good guy to have in the organization because he can be like that thirteenth forward but he can spot in where you need him. He can spot in in the middle of an injury. He can spot in on the wing. He can play up and down the lineup if you need him to kill a penalty, if you need him to spot in on the power play. Like, I think he's a he's he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades that I think can fill in anywhere. I'd try to hold on to a piece like that because I think he can fill a lot of different spots in a pinch. Whether he, or not he becomes like a regular third-line NHL player remains to be seen, but I like him. I, I like John, and I would – I think the value from a trade standpoint would be better for Velarde. And again, I want to be clear. I love Velarde, but I don't, I don't see where the fit is here. Yeah. I think, I think you're right there. I think Jad made significant strides with his offensive game. And so now you don't feel bad about wherever you have to put him on the lineup. Like he could play anywhere on the lineup and you'd Agreed. feel okay with him at least spot starting, if not like for maybe a week or two at the time, uh, played phenomenal in that down low role on the power play for the rain. So could you could you see him spotting him on the fourth line and then getting power play two time just for that specific role? Yeah, it was the weakest. I think it was the weakest role on our power play was that down low player. It just seemed uh, non-existent at some mm-hmm. points, and so I think that that could be something there. As far as the the Turcotte goes, I'm just I'm gonna be like what they say with Bruce Lee: be like water, right? If he comes into camp, if he comes into camp and he blows it out of the water, put him in the lineup. If he if he get, comes into camp and everything's fine and they put him down in the AHL, I'm not freaking out. 
And then if he starts blowing the doors down there, then bring him up. Like, just be like water with the situation. I don't yep. have any expectations. Whatever he earns with exactly. his play, I'll be fine with. Yeah, and I'm, I I just imagine that there's no need to force feed that in the NHL unless he somehow goes nuts in the summer. But I don't, and I don't know the status of his concussion and all that. I just hope the kid's healthy and can can get on a run. Let's go here. Uh, he believes uh, Susie maybe be dumpster diving for lefty is okay. Move Iowa follow for a much future pick. I don't know if 23, 24, 23 is supposed to be a killer draft. So I don't know if, you know, and 24 so far out, like, do you, do you see the Kings pushing? I mean, 23 is not that far away, but 24 would be like, do you see them pushing the can that far down for the asset? No, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Obviously we're really speculating here that, that I follow is going to get, get traded. We're just looking at trying to see what, well, that's what, what we do here, Joe. <laughs> make the most sense. Uh, uh, no, I, 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 I think if I follow were to go. Now, I, here's I, this. Here's this. Yeah. This just came to my mind. What if the Kings want to get back up into the first round? What if they use I follow and the second to like as a sweetener with the team to move up into the first? So you're dumping the salary completely. You're getting a first round pick. <clears throat> Ivan Miroshenko. And, <laughs> and, and then that way you're also getting any guy that can, you're, Refill in the pipeline that you just gave away. Um, is that an option? Like, is that like a, a sweet maybe, maybe a third round pick to get up into the early second because IFL has that much pull? Or, like, how do you view IFL's value at that point? Well, that's the other thing is I don't know what IFL's value is, and it probably is dependent on a team, right? That's why I think he's such a, a um, He's such a really, really good defensive player, but he showed flashes of, of providing offense too that like he seems like a player to me. I don't know. For whatever reason, he just seems like a player that would be like a Boston Bruin type of just solid. He's they they middle six that can play up and down the lineup, just two-way guy. Like I see him on a if he can be plugged into a team that needs a legit middle six winger that's ready to that's a playoff team or a contending team like something like that so I, I i just i don't see the fit for ifalo on a team and i know that's why i said i don't know that the seattle thing that i mentioned even makes any sense because i don't know where they envision themselves like i don't see him as a fit on arizona uh i don't see him maybe ottawa like maybe a team like Ottawa who's looking to take that next step maybe if new jersey is looking to make some moves um I, I think New Jersey is an interesting team going into next season. I, I it's it's I really don't know what his value is though. I I don't think you're getting a first for I follow. I guess you could get a second for I follow. Maybe, I don't know. JW comes in again here. Why would Blake go for Fiala if it was so apparent <clears throat> to get a left-handed D? Blake knows defense, and I we, we talked. I talked about this. It's opportunity. Like he knew the team's weakness. Why the Wild needed like there was no way for the Wild to resign Fiala. And so why not go out and get the weakness one? Like to put together a trade for Chikrin and like knowing which prospects they value and, and whatever is going to take a lot. Getting like going for after Sanheim or, or any of these other guys, it's going to take more of a of an effort where this one, like, hey, Fiala needed to go. He was on the market and you went out and got him. And he makes your team a, a lot better. And you figure out like like it, I know like a lot of people say this, but it's not chill right like it's like you can't just go to every single team and see which trade works and and you know, it's just sometimes opportunity is when it knocks and he just said hey like we like fiala they went right after him came with an offer that the wild were like yeah i can accept that i think it's a fair deal the gm said yeah it's a fair deal and then said yes to it like it really was just an it, it seemed like an opportunistic thing instead of waiting for the draft to maybe run into other bidders at that point yeah and let's be clear like yeah lefty is is a big need it, in my opinion it was the biggest need but so was like a top winger was also a need like but there was two big holes to fill um and that was top six wing and lefty and so he addressed one of them jeff o comes in here we trade a favor to his home state to get the fiala deal done how about trading? I followed a Buffalo for one of their first rounders this year. Like we said, we don't know the value, but 
maybe in a package deal. I mean, a, a second and I follow to get their late first. I mean, you could see something along that nature. Well, so, and I mentioned Buffalo. I don't know if it was on the show or if it was. Uh, you just before, did today. Yeah. Before we hopped on, we were talking about it. So this is a team that's kind of in transition. Um, they've got a lot of prospects that I think they want to be careful about blocking. Um the other thing with Buffalo is, though, they are going to have to get to the cap floor. Um, and Ayafala would help that. I think that, I think Ayafala, in theory, makes a lot of sense for Buffalo. He's a veteran player. He could be a great fit to slot into that team amidst all the young players. Uh, he can be a, a leader. That's where he's from. I think there's a lot of narrative that that fits there. I don't know from Buffalo's standpoint if, that's, if that makes sense for them. Um, we'd have to – you know, I'd be curious to hear what their thoughts are on that. You know, somebody that follows Buffalo a little bit closer than than we do. Um, I don't hate the idea, um, and particularly if you can get somebody at that, you know, a back uh, one of the late first, perhaps, or something like that. I, I don't, I don't hate the idea because I do think they're going to get to a point where, you know. Buffalo at some point with three first, like they're they're going to be at a point here fairly soon where they're going to have to try to actually get better at the NHL level. Like they've stocked the system a bit. They made the deal with Eichel. You know, they're, they're going to look for a little bit of a quicker turnaround here. Um, and perhaps IFALO could help that. I don't hate the idea. I just, I'm not in Buffalo's shoes. I don't know what they're thinking. Yossi comes in here with, how about the trade that I follow for Buffalo for one of their top goalie prospects? Now, goalie is the weakest part of our prospect pool. I don't know. They just signed Craig Anderson to a one-year deal at the NHL level. I mean, I don't mind dealing in to get a, uh, that's the weakest part of our prospect pool. And so, so I wouldn't mind that. Levy's not going anywhere. Levy's not going anywhere. Um, he, they, I think, I think that's one of the, you know, they got two goalies in college, him being one of them. He's not going to go anywhere. Peck, Ugo Pekalukinen. So they signed Craig Anderson to be a backup. And it's funny because this just happened and Kevin Adams just had a uh, press conference. It was either today or yesterday. Um, they signed Anderson presumably to be a backup because they're not going to give the number one job to Pekka Lukanen yet. And he had a very up and down season in Rochester in the AHL. He, I saw him, I've seen him play uh, a few times and he's a big boy. I think it's going to take him a while. He is, he's all over the place in the net. He's not exactly like a quiet goaltender. I think there's, there's definitely some development still that needs to be done. I think he needs more seasoning in the AHL. That said, of the goalies that Buffalo has, I think 6K, as he's known, uh, is the one that could be had from Buffalo in the organization. I think that that they are um, – I, I think that's a possibility. Uh, I, I'm not saying that I follow for him as a possibility, but I think of the goalies in Buffalo, Pekka Lukanen is somebody that um, – they because I just – they brought back Anderson. They're going to go out and sign a free agent goaltender to be the number one. I think they have to. So Lukanen's going to be in the AHL again. And I think by the time it comes for him to be up, I think Levy could be the guy. So I just, I, I think I, I like the idea. So let's go to the last uh, Twitter question. Dirty Harry or Richard, as he is in the chat, 81. How He's got five <laughs> questions here. He wants to give us plenty of content. So we'll just kind of bang through them. How does signing Fiala affect Kempe's contract? I don't think it affects it at all. I don't think it does. I think that those conversations and negotiations, Blake was well aware of. He knew the numbers, what they're talking about, and I, I, I don't think it would have any effect on what what he signs for. It would affect the total team's cap space for sure. Of course. Yeah. Which number should he wear on Instagram? He it says number twenty two, the L.A. Kings. So I think he. Changed it, maybe just changed the thing, and he didn't know the the numbers available. But I have a feeling because it's still on his Instagram that's probably something they decided. And I think he's probably going to wear twenty two instead of the number he wore in Nashville. Good with that. Yeah. What is the next big move? Me to this couch? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, what defines big? I, I don't think there's a big move to be made on the blue line, but I do think they address it. You could argue that if they trade Aya Follow to open up space, that could be the big move. Um, I think they're next. I do think they're going to address the D. I just don't know how, and I don't know who. Um, and I, I, my guess is I have follows on the way up, but that's just a guess. 
Will Kevin's dog win the Bark Madness this season? Very cute dog. I have a feeling those small, cute dogs usually do pretty well in those tournaments. Uh, but I'm not a, a Bark Madness voter. Never have been. Uh, <laughs> Nor am I. So, so like, I'm not too sure. But, hey, those small, little, cute dogs, they go uh, they go pretty far in the tourney. And, you know, new new guy on the team, you know, and, and new dog, I think he could, you know, earn some, earn some clout pretty quickly. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Last one. How much further will they go in the playoffs? We talked about this a little bit with the addition of Chikrin, but as the team stands right now, you look at the addition of Kevin Fiala uh, by whatever metric you want to use by some organizations adds three wins to this team. So that's six points. So you're looking at 105. You know, that would make, you know, that would make us push for the, 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 the Pacific as is, um, it would make us probably beat Edmonton this season. So I, I think relatively the expectation for me would be triple digit points and and, put, and like one playoff win, like a, a playoff um, series win would be like what I would expect from the team, like respectively, not necessarily it would be bad if they missed that, but I would just say that that's what I would expect. I want to contend because you know, and I, I'm very much still a believer in Vegas this year being being a really good team, but I think this move is a big deal, and, and I think it could help L.A. contend for the division. Uh, I don't think that's getting ahead of ourselves. I think that's realistic and that's reasonable, um, and I would hope that they finish – well enough to host that first round uh and yeah hopefully they win that first round and from there hey i mean we'll see what happens you never know with matchups and how that plays out but my hope is they're contending for the division they can finish second at the worst and and um uh, host that first round and again i I don't think that's too crazy maybe it's hopeless I think it'll large. I think it'll largely depend on what Carter scores here. If Peterson doesn't take the next step this season, I think the primarily focus should be shifting to find a goalie or goalie prospects. And so, I mean, obviously, Quick's not going away. He showed that this year that he still has the, you know, the heart of a lion back there, and that's not going to give up any starts between the pipes. You know, if if he, if he has anything to say about it, but and realistically, for this team to take the next step, Peterson has to be more consistent. He does, no question about it. Uh, the other thing that I would, uh, I, I'm not opposed at all here, by the way, of, of going out and acquiring another, you know, uh, uh, prospect goaltender or, or depth goaltender. The other thing to watch is how the prospects do, the prospect goaltenders that are currently in the system, how they perform this year. Uh, to me, this is a big year for them, and that includes Matt Valalta, Lucas Parik, Jacob Ingham, David Hrenek. I mean, this is a big year for those four. Um, will somebody take that next step? We'll see. Um, I haven't seen it confirmed by the team yet, but it looks like Matt Valalta has resigned to a one-year deal. I think Puck PD was the first that I saw reported on Twitter, so we'll see if the team eventually confirms that. But um, those four, like, it's not as if the Kings don't have goaltending prospects. They have four guys that are – three of them are 6'4". They, that are, they just don't have an heir apparent. Yet. No one expected quick. It was supposed to be John Bernier. So I don't be surprised if David Hrenick or or some of these other guys comes up. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. JW coming in here with his pessimistic attitude. I love the long suffering King. I am a long suffering Kings fan. I'll be amazed if we make the uh, if we make the playoff. Hopefully, we'll have a fun season with more wins than losses. Uh, I that's the only time I let you have that attitude in this chat. Otherwise, positivity going forward. <laughs> Um, but Joe, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for everybody in the chat for throwing your questions in there. Everybody on Twitter submitted questions. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about something next week that, you know, that, like they said, Rob Blake's not over with, uh, and we'll be have some more stuff to talk about. As always, we have articles pumping out every single day at hockeyroyalty.com. Probably some more in-depth analysis on how Mm -hmm. Kevin Fiala affects the team. You can find us at Twitter at hockey underscore royalty. Me at Rando Commando 24 at JW Paterino for Joey over there. Man, a pleasure talking to you. Another Always. big move, man. It's been it's been exciting back to back offseason so far for a Kings fan. And I can't <laughs> wait for it to be October already. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go. All right. And as always, go Kings Go. Go Kings. Go Kings.